Hello everyone, I'm Harrison. And I'm Rachel. Now that we're halfway through this pregnancy, we're going to answer some questions submitted by our listeners. So stay tuned and join us on our journey to meet, meet baby, baby H. H. First of all, thank you to everyone who submitted a question for us. We were really excited to get a little bit of feedback and hear from some of you. If you ever do think of any more questions, feel free to send them our way on Instagram at 1022productions. Nothing is really off limits for us when we're going to go through these questions and answer them. So we hope you enjoy and let's get started. Let's set the scene here a little bit. So it is vacation week for us. We are super excited to be going on our baby moon and we are all packed. It's really late at night. We're just having a good time hanging out, recording this episode. And so let's get into our first question, which is how much weight have I gained so far this pregnancy? And I probably have gained about like two or three pounds. (laughs) First of all, there's like these guidelines for how much weight you're supposed to gain. If you have a normal body mass index, you can look it up on Google, just figure out what your number is. There's like four different ranges of underweight, normal weight, overweight, and obese. And I fall in the normal weight category. It has to do with your weight versus height. And so if you have a normal body mass index, you are recommended to gain 25 to 35 pounds throughout your pregnancy. It's really something you can just ask your doctor and figure out how much you're supposed to gain. And it might be a question you want to ask really early on, but there's a lot of stuff online that you can find. And we're just going to preface all of the information in the entire podcast today. We're just random people you met on the internet. So our advice is not doctor advice. So do your own research and talk to your doctors. The way that the weight gain can be broken down is in your first trimester, which is weeks 0 to 14, you should gain about 0 to 5 pounds. Most people will actually lose weight in that first trimester, so don't be too concerned. That's really because of the morning sickness. If you have really bad morning sickness, it's much more likely that you're going to lose weight because you're not keeping a lot of food down, and you also might just lose your appetite. So it's not uncommon for people to lose weight. In the second trimester, that's when really most of the weight is going to start getting put on. A lot of people who have previously been pregnant might tell you that they've gained more weight in the third trimester, and there's nothing really wrong with that. But if you can put the weight on more gradually, that is going to be a little bit easier on your body. In the second trimester, you should gain about 15 pounds, which breaks down to about one pound a week. And then in your third trimester, you should gain 10 to 15 pounds. By that point, the baby isn't like drastically changing in size. They're just putting on fat. So while a lot of people think that you really do put on the pounds in that third trimester, more of it should be happening earlier on. A lot of people will think that, oh, you're pregnant, so now you need to start eating for two. And it's a fun phrase to say whenever you're just eating a lot of food and you don't want to think about it, and that's totally okay. But on a day-to-day basis, you don't need to eat for two whole people. You really need to eat like one plus another third. So for me, I am 22 weeks this week, and I have gained 10 pounds so far. I just stepped on the scale right before we decided to record this. And so I would say I'm pretty on track. 
Um, I have another six weeks in this trimester and another five pounds to gain. And most of that was gained in the past couple of weeks. You actually lost weight in the first trimester. Right. But it is apparent to me that my pre-baby body is gone. We went to Target a couple days ago and I was trying on swimsuits for our vacation. And I just do not look good in the regular swimsuits right now. That is why maternity swimsuits exist. (laughs) It was a really sad day for Rachel when her jeans didn't fit anymore. She was trying so hard to just keep with the same pair and not have to buy any new ones. And I think we might have made it because we're about to hit the summer season and temperatures are going to go up. So Rachel might be able to not wear jeans. But it just was a really sad thing when those pants did not fit Rachel anymore. Yeah, I haven't worn jeans in a couple weeks now. Yeah, and when you were wearing jeans that last week, they just were always unbuttoned. Oh, yeah. So our second question is, do we have a theme picked out for the nursery? The nursery theme is kind of a difficult one because we are renting a house right now. And so we can paint the walls, but we know we're going to have to paint them over before we leave. And it's just something that we don't really know if we want to do. So we started out with the theme of Pixar. I've always been a really big Pixar fan. Um, I'm really into the concept art that went behind Pixar to make all of their films. And that is kind of the theme we wanted to go with. But as we started looking for more and more items that we wouldn't have to make ourselves, we found that it's really, really difficult to have a theme that's that broad because Pixar has like 22 movies right now. And anything you find that's Pixar tends to just be Toy Story, Cars, or Monsters, Inc. And while we don't have any problem with any of those items, We don't really want to go all in on one movie. We want to just do a broad stroke of Pixar, and it's just not really working out. So we think that we're probably just going to stick more with black and white and be okay with it. All of the furniture that we have purchased so far is primarily white with black accents. So I think we're just going to kind of stick with that idea, and it kind of helps that we're not telling people the gender. So, you know, black and white is a nice safe way that people can buy stuff for us if they want to, and it will look nice in the nursery. We'll definitely put up some pictures and other things that will add a little bit more to the nursery than just neutral colors. But right now, we're just kind of sticking with this black and white theme idea, and maybe we'll add a little more Pixar as we go along. A fun fact, I was reading that in some cultures, it's like considered unlucky to purchase things for your baby before they're born in kind of like a superstitious way, like you're jinxing it in a way. Like they think if you buy, um, if you buy baby supplies, then something will happen to the baby. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah, that is really interesting. One of the things that I think about frequently is that our kid is going to have their own thoughts and beliefs on things. Whether they're a week old or 20 years old, they're definitely going to have their own opinions. And I want to make sure there's enough room for them to have that, but that we also can provide structure. A lot of the things that we put on the registry are actually just like trial things so that we can figure out what items work best with our baby and with our lifestyle and know that a lot of things are going to change as we go along and just accepting that now. So what have we done to prepare for the baby so far? And so I kind of split this up into physically and mentally. So physically, like I said, we have a crib and a dresser. We have some clothes and some diapers. 
And we finished our registry so that if people want to purchase gifts for us, they can do that. Mentally, I feel like we've done a lot more preparing. I've been reading a lot of books and stuff online, and I know Rachel has been too. I also really like listening to podcasts, so I found quite a few podcasts that I'll listen to that just provide a little bit of extra information. And we are going to release an episode with some of these resources that we've been listening to or reading. For me, I've been doing a lot of praying, just asking for peace, and any books or, you know, kind of the same stuff that Harrison has been reading about, I've been reading about. We have a pretty large list of books that we want to read, and not all of it is just about pregnancy. A lot of it is also about the first couple of weeks that you're home with the baby. And something that I've been more aware of recently is trying to make sure I read past those first six weeks. There are like a million books out there for the very first six weeks or coming home with a baby. But you also are going to have to take care of that kid after the six weeks. So I'm also interested in a lot of the things of like, how do you deal with like the first year? And I'm sure we'll continue to read books as we go through the process. It's kind of nice that our interests have complemented each other very well because the things that I'm going to read about, like breastfeeding and whatnot, you're not going to read about. And the things that you're going to read about, like I think you're a little bit more concerned about when the baby is here, whereas I'm reading a lot about pregnancy and what my body's going through. And we can talk about that so we both don't have to read it all. I would say as a future dad, one of the things that's kind of frustrating is there's not a whole lot of resources for men during pregnancy. And I know that technically I don't have to do anything. Like I'm not growing this human. I don't have to deal with changes to my body. But there's got to be more resources out there for men. And there are a fair amount of people that are trying to provide that in other ways. They just aren't in the forms of books. But I do think that it's very common for men to be more interested in what happens after the baby gets here. So the next question is about our relationship. So somebody asked, how has our relationship been throughout the changes in the pregnancy? And I would say there really hasn't been a huge change for us. I would say that on the outside, people might think that we are planning way more trips and trying to do more activities, just the two of us. But I really don't think it's any different. I think that we are just doing our normal thing and going on lots of trips and spending a lot of time together is part of that. If there is one thing that is different, I would say I've been a lot more needy for Harrison. I don't know if it's hormones or what, but I think it's a really cool thing that my body is kind of just like firing off these signals of I need my husband, my baby needs its father. I think that's just like a really cool thing that's kind of ingrained in my body. And I feel like we're just having a good time and like not taking things so seriously all the time. But I don't know if that is because of the pregnancy or if it's just because we've been together for a while that we're getting into this like really comfortable place. I think it's probably a little bit of both. And I think that it's a good place that we are now. And I'm really interested to see what changes come along once the baby's here. Another question we have is what excites you the most about becoming first time parents and what scares you the most? So let's start with what excites us the most. So for me, this is kind of a weird thing. It's not going to be like the basic, like, I'm just so excited to hold my baby because that's obvious. 
But for me, I'm really excited that there's very few times in your life where the world around you just kind of stops. And, you know, those usually are when you have a baby, when you get married, or if somebody dies. People just stop expecting you to respond or involve in the regular daily activities that you do. And I really liked those few days after our wedding where Harrison and I just got to be together. I barely touched my phone that entire time. And so I'm just really looking forward to having that quality time again with Harrison, but with our baby. I would say the thing that I'm most excited for is the new normal. One of the things lately that has kind of bothered me with our schedule is that I don't know what comes next for us. I feel like the way the world works, as soon as you start school, like, oh, I make it through this grade and I go to the next one. I graduate high school and I go to college or I start a job. And for me, I went to college and as soon as I graduated, I went and found that job. And now I've done that job and I've been out of school for about a year and I'm starting to feel like, what is the next thing? And I don't feel like you're really super prepared for what comes next. So I'm really excited for the new normal that a baby's going to bring and that our days aren't going to feel so monotonous. They aren't going to be the exact same thing every single day. And even if it is that we have roughly the same schedule and do a lot of the same things. There's at least going to be a new element for a little while, and I'm really looking forward to that. I'm also just looking forward to just the general experiences when you have a baby. What Rachel said, like, it's obvious you're excited to hold your baby, but I'm also excited for everything else that comes, like all the good experiences, and I know there'll be plenty of bad, and while in the moment I'm sure I will be very angry or upset about it, I think that when I look back on it later, I will have enjoyed the time. Something that scares me, I mean, I would say my biggest fear is the baby not making it or me not making it. But aside from that, I am really nervous or scared about the lack of sleep because I just do not do well in that kind of scenario. And I know that this baby is totally going to uproot how much I can sleep, the amount, the quality, all the things. And I'm just really, I don't want to be an angry mom and so I just hope that I can figure out some way to feel rested. For me, I would say the scariest thing is also what I'm excited about is that new normal. Because there's a lot of things in our life that I enjoy that we do now. Like, I like that when we get home, we can talk just the two of us and we can chill and decide to go on walks and we can leave in like a moment's notice and a baby will change all of that. I really am scared about what changes does the baby bring that just absolutely wrecks our day-to-day -day life. And I know eventually we'll get to a normal that is what we like and we'll enjoy, but the first little while where everything is adjusting, I'm worried about. I'm also just worried about the changes that will happen between Rachel's and I relationship. I worry about that too. People talk a lot about once you have a kid, you love your child more than you love your spouse. I hate when people say that. I just I don't want that to be us. What's and crazy is from the beginning of us talking about kids, we are not only talking about having a kid and enjoying that experience, but we are already talking about when we're empty nesters. It's definitely something that I think that we both worry about, and I can't say for certain how it's going to go, but I think that it's probably not going to be as big a change as we think it is right now. 
I mean, you just don't know what you're going to feel. Everyone says that you've experienced this unexplainable love for your child, that you would do anything for them or die for them. And it's just so different from the way that you love your spouse. And I am just terrified about that. Like, obviously, I love our baby and I know I'm going to love them and want to do anything for them, but I hope that I can prioritize my marriage because I really think that that structure is important when a child is growing up. Yeah, I hope that we really love our kid to the end of the earth, just as you would expect from every parent. But I hope that when we experience this unexplainable love, that it's a different type of love and that there's enough room in your life for both types of love instead of one overpowering the other. I would say the last thing that I'm absolutely terrified of is the stickiness. I do not do sticky things, and everything about a kid just seems sticky. Yeah, we've had this debate of who is going to clean up the baby messes, and I know that most of the time it will be me, but when we're home together, it's anyone's game. (laughs) Yeah, I'm really not looking forward to that, and I know we'll get conditioned, and it will eventually make it there, but... Some of these things I am just absolutely terrified of. So another question is, what is our birth plan? And that is a very loaded question. So we're going to kind of break it up. We had to look up like what are some things that people put on a birth plan because we are such planners that I freak out if something doesn't go the way that I planned it. To put it into perspective, we asked the doctor about the delivery, the hospitals, and just basic questions regarding the birth plan, like at our second doctor's appointment. And they basically just said, we have a whole appointment that we'll talk about all of this later, so don't worry about it. And we went home and talked about a bunch of birth plans and basically decided that Probably whatever hospital we ended up choosing in the end was going to have some sort of form for us to fill out because we don't really know how much we have control over. Right. And so this whole time, I've been trying to keep my mind in the perspective of birth preferences and not a birth plan because I know that at the end of the day, I have absolutely no say in how it's going to go down. All I really want is a healthy baby and for myself to be healthy. Uh, But we are going to talk about some of our preferences, I guess. I would say that the most basic way to phrase this is that we are big fans of as natural as possible, but we also understand that there are certain circumstances where you need to have some extra assistance and that doctors do this all the time. And all of these medical procedures have a very specific reason as to why they're doing it. And we're not going to say no to a doctor just because it's not natural. We want to have like a good reason behind why we feel differently and we really want to see it from both perspectives before we make a decision because the medical field is very, very well regulated and they do this every day and we don't. We haven't gotten the chance to talk through our doctor about what they offer or what they're willing to do yet. The only thing that I really know as far as like pre-labor, getting labor started, is they will start doing cervical checks around 37 weeks. And some people do decline those because they are painful, is what I've heard, or uncomfortable, and not really necessary at 37 weeks. 
But for me, I don't really care. I think if the doctor says that they want to check my cervix at that point, go for it. Another thing that doctors can do once you hit that 37 weeks, which is considered full term for a baby, is a membrane sweep, which as far as I understand, they kind of separate the sac that the baby is in from your uterine lining. And then that might help your water break naturally and you'll go into labor. What's really interesting to me, not having paid any attention to pregnancy a whole lot before is that you always imagine labor to be this really, really fast process. Like anytime you see it in like a movie or a TV show, it's like, oh, the mom is going into labor. We need to get to the hospital as fast as possible. When in reality, that is not the case. Our doctor said early on, they're like, as soon as you think that you've gone into labor, give us a call first. And yes, there's some urgency there, but it's not a blow every light to get to the hospital. Right. And do we want to labor at home or at the hospital? Rachel really wanted to do at home a little while ago. Like before we were pregnant, she really wanted to do at home. And I would have nothing of it. There is no way. Like I I don't think I could make it through it. But I also just think that hospitals have these things in place for a reason. And as soon as there is a complication, you have no clue what to do if it doesn't go perfectly. And yeah, for years, for a long time, people gave birth without the assistance of hospitals and they did it at home. And it is the right choice for some people. I just don't think it's the right choice for us. Anymore, I also don't think that I could make it through it, like personally. And I didn't understand the labor process enough. Like I thought I knew what labor was. I knew that it took a long time, but I really did not fully understand how it happens. And you do spend the first part of your labor at home, which is what I wanted. I didn't want to be in the hospital forever, just waiting and waiting for something to happen. And nowadays, They don't let you. You stay at home until it's go time, pretty much. Like they don't want you there until there is a need for you to be there. And so, knowing that, I felt a lot better about going to the hospital. And I'm actually really excited to go to the hospital. What we have found is that people have such a strong opinion about pregnancy and about their kids because everybody wants the best for their kid. So nobody wants to be told that what they're doing for their kid is not the best thing out there, but all of these decisions are so personal. And for us, I really feel like that unless the pregnancy went 100% perfect and there was no complications, I would not be comfortable at all at home, and there's no way to guarantee that. So going to the hospital is just going to relieve a lot of that stress that's already going to be there. So to me, it never really was a question. I actually was talking to my mom about this a few days ago. I told her that I thought that Harrison was a little bit more nervous for the labor and delivery than I am. Like, I just feel very peaceful about it, which is good. That's what I've been praying for. But I feel like Harrison is getting a little worked up. For sure. I really think that the labor is the worst part of this entire process. And I know that it's not even going to be like super physically challenging for me, but that whole process just sounds horrible. And Rachel was all for a C-section a little while ago. And like that process, like just being in the room while that happens just sounds horrible to me. And I just don't think I will be cut out for it. (laughs) 
So during labor, the support people that I will have there is just Harrison. With it being our first baby, neither of us really knowing what's going on or what we're doing. We just want to be as comfortable as possible. And I think we're both the most comfortable when we are alone. (laughs) Despite this podcast, we are both very, very introverted people. So the idea of having somebody else around in this really, really stressful environment sounds horrible. So we're going to do it just the two of us. And Right now, the way that everything is with hospitals because of COVID restrictions, there's really not an alternative to that. You can have, I think, one other guest after the kid is delivered, and I don't even know the rules during labor. So we're perfectly content with just the two of us. Right. As far as medicated or unmedicated, I would like to go as long as I can without medication, I know I'm going to need it. So I'm just getting it in my mind right now that I'm going to get the epidural whenever I need to get it, but hopefully I can make it a good chunk without needing it. Um, Some people also have plans for a water birth or wanting to be able to move around or take a shower. Those all sound really nice. I don't want to give birth in the water, but I did tell Harrison if they let me just like take a bath, just like chill, you know? Yeah, I would do that. I love taking baths. So (laughs) if that's an option, but again, we haven't talked to the hospital or our doctor or anything. I think Rachel is all for anything that will distract her. Like if it's something that is normal for her before the labor, it will be a good thing because it'll get her mind off of the whole process. Yeah. And the baby is due right around the Apple keynote, which is something that Harrison watches all the time. And so I was like, let's just watch it at the hospital. Like, that would be a great distraction for both of us. A lot of dads would probably be doing this with sports, and I really couldn't care less. So if there was a sports game on, I will have nothing to do with it. But you can bet that if the Apple keynote is on, we'll be watching it. I guess some people also decorate their labor and delivery room, which, okay, (laughs) I don't think that's something we're going to do. It just sounds like a lot of extra things that you have to bring. Twinkle lights. (laughs) What is so funny? There is nothing wrong with people decorating their room. But if we look around our house right now, we have exactly five pictures on the wall in the entire house. So decorating, it's not our thing. Uh, We already kind of talked about this, but as far as fetal monitoring, these things that people call interventions during labor, I just don't care. I love hearing my baby's heartbeat. So if somebody wants to strap a monitor on me so I can hear it the whole time, great. If it's not needed, great. If someone wants to check my cervix, sounds fine. If they don't, okay. Filming and pictures, that was a category on the birth plan template. I think for me, I don't want like action shots, but we are, (laughs) Harrison's having a hard time over there. (laughs) Just the idea of like filming a baby, like being caught is just hilarious to me. But I wouldn't mind if a nurse was like, oh, let's take a picture of you and Harrison. Or once the baby's there, obviously, we're going to take pictures. I think it would be nice if we had some. And we've talked about maybe trying to film a little bit, potentially to do like a birth vlog. 
I think that we're more inclined to do photos and video after the birth than during. I just really think that there are some moments in your life that you don't want to film. Not because you don't want to watch back what they are, but I feel like when you film something, you lose a little bit of the experience of being there in person live. And I don't want to take anything away from that experience. I'm going to remember this for the rest of my life. And I don't really think that I need a video to show somebody else because it's a moment between me, Rachel, and our kid. Right. And the priority is just getting through the labor and having a healthy baby. So if we're feeling really good and really bored, then yeah, let's take some videos and some pictures and stuff. But we'll see. After the delivery, I guess it's a thing where you can spontaneously deliver your placenta or have an assisted delivery of your placenta. I'm going to go the assisted route. (laughs) When it comes to birth, there's a lot of things that you have to make a decision on. And really for us, the biggest thing is people will tell you that there are benefits to doing one thing versus the other. And for me, at least, I want to actually see in data that it's proven that that benefit actually matters, not just like, oh, this is what I did and it's helpful. And there's a lot of things around the placenta, the cord cutting that they have research on about whether they're beneficial for the baby and for the mom. And really, if the data can show that it's beneficial, that's kind of the route we're going to take. And Harrison does not want to cut the cord. No, I'll have nothing of it. As far as right after the baby is born, some people want them just placed on your chest and not touched for what they call this golden hour. Um, Some people prefer that the baby is cleaned up a little bit and that they take those first initial measurements just right then, get it over with. I don't really know. I mean, yeah, I'd like to hold them. I want to see them. But it really just depends on How are they? Do they need assistance? We don't even have say on that. If they need assistance, they're taking that baby away. So I'm just not trying to get my hopes up any certain way. If I really got to choose and I had full say, I would definitely say clean them first. I do not want that sticky thing. (laughs) But we know it's a reality that for a lot of people, their baby does need assistance. So it's something that we're hopeful that our baby doesn't, but we're just trying to keep it in our mind that it could happen, and we need to know that it's a possibility so that it's not as upsetting if it does happen. Right. And I've prepped Harrison, like, if we need to have a C-section, you're going to have to hold that baby. They're going to take you to do skin to skin. And so there are, like, so many variables just depending on the way that your baby is born. We are very fortunate that we live in a big city, so there is a full NICU very close to us actually one of our hospital options that we can choose from has a full NICU if we wanted to go there. And so we're not talking about a scenario where the baby's getting flown like a couple hour drive away. We're talking like 10 minutes if they need to go somewhere else. And if that scenario happens, we're just going to have to play it by ear because Rachel and I would obviously like to be together, but We want to make sure that at least one of us is with the kid, and if they need to go to a different hospital, obviously I'm going to be the person that can go. So the last question is whether Rachel plans to work or be a stay-at-home mom after the baby is born. 
And this one was really, really simple at the beginning of all this. But as we've gone a little further, it has become increasingly complicated. I guess to answer that question, I would say yes and no. Because, well, both of us will for sure be at home with the baby for six weeks. I'm very fortunate that my employer gives me six weeks guaranteed from the time that we bring our kid home. I'm guaranteed those six weeks. After that, if I am the primary caregiver, I get an extended leave. And after the first six weeks is where it kind of gets messy because Rachel and I both do theater contracts. So we'll be contracted out by different theaters to come and help them run or produce a show. And for Rachel, she's going to be stage managing a production that requires her to be in the rehearsal room throughout the entire time and rehearsals start six weeks after the due date. So she will need to be not only in the rehearsal room, but living in the city that the rehearsals take place. And so we're very lucky that Harrison is going to be able to get this extra time so that all three of us will be able to move to this location. And it's really only a few hours a day commitment. So we'll all have most of the day together and then I'll have to go away for three to four hours every evening. And it will be about six weeks of doing this. There's only really a week that we're both going to be really busy and that one of us isn't available. And fortunately enough, this city is very close to where Rachel's family lives and my sister lives. So we'll have plenty of people around us to help us when that time does come. But in that six-week time period, Rachel will be back at work, but I will be able to stay home for a little while. Right. I'm pretty nervous about it because six weeks does feel really quick to go back to start doing something again. Um, But I do just keep in mind that it's temporary. I have a lot of support. I'm going to have Harrison there 24-7 and my family is very close by. So I feel really good about it. And then after that production is over, I will be staying home with the baby until we (laughs) reevaluate. Thank you again to everybody that submitted some questions. We really had a great time sitting down and talking through our journey. Next time, we are going to talk about building a registry. Thanks for joining us. See you next time.